Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid back way. So sit back, relax, unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. Hello and welcome to Story Chat. We have a guest all the way from BC. No, not not um, not Britain, but uh, Columbia, British Columbia. Is that it? That's right, That's BC correct. Canada. It's Western Canada. Yeah. Oh, lovely, uh, Lillian Brummett. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you for for having me. This is great. Yeah, so um, what we like to do is uh, we like to do a couple of icebreakers before we dive into everything about you, just to sure. make it a little bit more lighthearted, a bit more fun. So um, are you okay. taking the first one, Ryan, or am I taking the first one? I'll take the first one just to get back, you know, I took the second <laughs> one last week. So Okay, take uh, it away. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? Hate. Okay. Yeah, I think it, it doesn't just, you know, send out negative ripples, but I think it, it rots ourselves. So if we can get rid of that. Yeah, I struggled with that myself. Um, yeah. I came from a sort of broken past um, as a child. Um, we went through some stuff and there was some time in my teens and in my early adulthood when I had to learn how to let go of some hate. And there was a lot of hate (laughs) going on in there and I had to let it go. And um, it wasn't easy, but I felt that um, I learned that letting it go wasn't necessarily forgiving and it wasn't forgetting. It wasn't belittling what happened, but what it was, was freeing me so that I wasn't continuing to fester and rot. I Mm. had like a, a poem that I wrote once and I wrote it like um, you're taking the fish hook out so somebody put that fish hook in you you know you're at the lake or whatever somebody throws this fish line and it hooks on you and it's stuck in you they cut the line off they're gone they their life has moved on that fish hook is still in there and yeah. so that to me to pull that out and then I have to let that wound heal so I have to do the work to make that heal, right? And then you just let it go. You're always going to have that scar, but it's never going to define you. It's just a scar. It's a part of you, made you who you are. It's like a little talking spot, yeah. <laughs> but it d- doesn't define you anymore. No, yeah, that, that, that's, that's right. It's, it's, it's like a, a lot of people, I don't mm-hmm. think they realize that when they're hating other people, it's doing more damage to you than it is to them. Most Absolutely. Of the time. So definitely agree with that one. Um, now let's think of something more happy and go, uh, what's okay. on your bucket list? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now my bucket list is to finish a book that I'm working on and I've got to get to my seeds, starting my seeds. I'm so far behind on starting some seeds for the garden. So currently right now as an immediate bucket list, <laughs> that's, that's my immediate bucket list. We have a trilogy coming out this summer and then I'm 
I'm also behind the scenes working on a book that's going to be coming out in a couple of years, probably end of 23, maybe early 24, uh, 2024. So that's kind of what we're involved in right now, which is like a big thrill for me. Um, this, this particular book is a collaboration that honors my late parents and, um, and their work, because they ran a, a, a market garden farm, little a small farm, about five or six acres, and they specialized in rare and endangered species. And they sort of started Dave and I off on this um, passion for gardening and for botany and all of that. So we're really into biology and, and um, growing things naturally. And that all started with my mom. And when she was dying, we... Um, spent a lot of time on the phone and letters and stuff. And so she was sharing a lot of information. And at that time, I was also running um, a five acre garden at a, at, a, at a spa. And so it was a big undertaking for me, five acres. You know, I've, I've done pretty large gardens, like 10,000 square, but I've never done five acres right yeah. so that was really interesting for me to take on and Dave and um, so I was constantly referring mom you know <laughs> are we doing this right um, we're going to plant in this area do you think and so we were going back and forth all the time and between those conversations we decided that we really needed to write this down and so it became a project while she was alive and it kind of got set aside and uh, I'm getting back to it now that our schedule is opened up for it. And I'm really excited because, like, of course, I've taken permaculture courses and many other mm-hmm. things since then. And so I'm able to put all of that in there. But it's neat to dig back into all this stuff and have all these memories. And I'm yeah. smelling the paper, trying to catch her scent and just looking at her writing. And, you know, it's it's just a real surreal moment for me. And. Um, it for me, it's really important to have this done as like my current bucket list um, to honor her and also to, you know, to share the information for other people, all these years of researching and learning and trial and error and to be able to put it in like a really user friendly guide is what we're trying to do here. So, um, yeah, so I'm really excited about it. I'm working on chapter three right now of the first draft. So it's obviously early in the works. but. Well, I think you're the first guest we've had. I think you're the first guest we've had that's actually actively doing their bucket list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone else is thinking way off in the future. <laughs> well, I like to look at the most doable. You know, yeah. we do have like you know five-year plans and things like that. What we'd like to see happen, what we'd like to do, maybe in five years we're going to go in this direction. But it's hard to make those solid plans because life changes so darn yeah. quickly and so easily. And then you realize, oh, this is so much more doable for me at that moment not what you thought you were going to do four years ago. So um, we try to be really flexible, Dave and I, when it comes to planning for the future and bucket list for the future, just be flexible with it, have a general aim, but don't be too, look more, more closer. <laughs> what yeah. can, what can I do today? And what am I working on now? hundred yeah. percent. I agree. Because then it gives you that sense of achievement. You know, I mean, everyone can say, Oh, I want to travel the world, but yeah. Okay. Money, COVID you know, time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's some sometimes is unfortunately an unachievable thing, but yeah. to have to have a bucket list where you know that there's certain things that you're going to achieve uh, yeah. is much, much better for the soul. 
Yeah, well, that and if you are going to put it on your list, maybe start working on that action plan. Okay, it's on your list. But so what steps are you taking to make that possible? Maybe it's going to take you five or 10 years to get that bucket or that item on your bucket list done. But you might have to start taking steps now towards that. So having an action plan is is a really good thing for people to consider. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Okay, the next one is the most judgmental question we're going to ask. So okay. please oh, take into consideration your answer. Um, okay. On the answer, the interview may finish now. No, I'm joking. Um, so this one can be broken up into two. Uh, so please tell us what you believe the greatest sitcom is that has ever been made. And if it's not your favourite, what is your favourite as well? Uh, Friends. It's yeah, got to okay. be the best sitcom um, as far as comedy. My favorite movie is Rat Race or oh, African God. Queen. My, I just love those movies. Um, as far as like, um, yeah, I think those that would be my answer. Yeah, um, I love like Star Trek and stuff like that though too. Like I've watched them. I don't know how many times. I'm watching them again actually right now from the beginning. I'm weird, you know. <laughs> I was more of a Star Wars, but then my housemate, she loves Star Trek. So we've watched like yeah. uh, Next Generation, Voyager. Yeah. And, and obviously the movies I've seen many times, but right. um, introduced me to the the TV side of Star oh, Trek. Star Wars, Star Trek, Andromeda, you name it. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> I really like them. I think they're really cool. I, I like how the from a writer's point of view, especially how creative they, they are coming up with all of these interesting, you know, what if scenarios. And I, I don't know how they do it. You know, they're, they're such creative writers behind the scenes and it's really neat watching. Yeah, I like them. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Cool. Now, um, just going completely left field, do you have a zombie apocalypse plan over there in BC? <laughs> <laughs> zombie cop no we don't although we do live in a smaller community it will city it's got about maybe 20,000 in the center and maybe 50,000 with all the suburbs little communities up and down the lake on this side um and it does have some disruption we were talking behind the scenes earlier about flood and fire and what have you and it when those things do happen um and they do happen then it disrupts supply and so one has to be a little bit more self-reliant not like you know preparedness you know prepper type stuff but you definitely want to have you know a couple weeks you know worth of stuff and just especially certain times of the year, like early spring and, you know, peak of summer when you know that these things might happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to stock up a little bit and be prepared that, you know, this, the shelves may not be um, 100%. They're really good locally here when we've had a couple of supply issues. Like there was a flood down in Vancouver, which is a long ways from here, about 16 hour drive from here. But there was a flood on the, one of the highways there that caused like this mud mudslide and um, they had to work on it for quite some time and so the whole chain got you know sent all the way around to try to get back up here and so for them to figure out the logistics and get it happening took a while so the local stores had us on like this um like a limit you could still get your your tp or whatever your toilet paper but they would say only one per customer or something like that so they would keep it limited so that everybody was getting some and 
um, that was, I thought that was really thoughtful that they did that, but yeah, certain times of year, you gotta, you gotta do that. I'm a big gardener. So, um, obviously, you know, so, uh, I do a lot of preserving my, I have a couple of freezers <laughs> and they're okay. stocked by my garden every year. And I have a cupboard that I, I fill with like dehydrated foods and whatever too. So, um, just because I'm growing so much that I have so much produce that I, I have that on hand, which I guess is a kind of a nice thing to know it's there. Yeah. And I'm a former seed saver. My mom was a seed saver and we're proactive in regards to with seed saver organizations. So I do have quite a supply of seeds um, just because I garden a lot now, not uh, that I'm doing the seed saving as much, but so I guess in that regard, I'm a little bit prepared. <laughs> you would be. You can live off the land, essentially, if you need yeah, to. Yeah, my yard's pretty good. Yeah, we we actually produce um, 60 to 70% of our food um, oh, wow. as far as fruits and vegetables and nuts from our garden. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, you'd, be, you'd definitely be safe. I think by the time the zombies got up there, you'd be able to open your own produce shop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd be feeding the neighbourhood. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, the, the final icebreaker question is uh, is one we like to throw in. It gives us an idea of to get to know our guests a little bit more. So Elon Musk has just given you a call and said he's just invented a new electric time machine and he wants you to test drive it. What do you do and where do you go? Oh, um, gosh, I think I'd, I think I'd like to go back and have another conversation with my mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that would be really neat to go back and, you know, maybe say a couple of things I didn't say. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had a lot of time before she passed, so a lot of things were said. But, you know, 20 years later or whatever it is, 15 years later, you look back and you think, geez, you know, it'd be nice to, to tell her maybe a few things. So I think that would be, I would like to do. I'm not really curious too much about investigating the future and the past kind of scares me. What our ancestors went through, I would never want to go for. Yeah. I think a lot of people think like our life, our generation, our life, right? Our, the world is, oh, you know, we're so tough. We go through so much. But you think about what generations, the people, ancestors, what they went through, you know, women getting beaten up just, just so that I now have the right to own things and I can put my name on things, you know, mm -hmm. they got beat up and thrown in jail and stuff like that, you know, in our countries, you know, this is something that, that our ancestors did in the lives that they lived, you know, World War One, going to Vietnam, none of us saw any of that, you know, so we live a privileged life. And I try to I try to celebrate that. I would never want to travel back in time. People say the good old times and maybe some things were simpler, but no, I mean, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 100%. <laughs> no. no, I like that answer. Very good. Born at the perfect time. I was. <laughs> um, all right. Well, icebreaker's done. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about you, what you do and who you are? Okay, well, um, I, my husband and I, 
uh, together, run Bremmet Media Group. And that acts like an umbrella for all the services and all the products and everything that we do. My husband has the Angle Hill Drum Studio, and that's at the lower um, end of our house. He's down there actually right now doing some imagery and, and audio for some ads that we're doing and, and for another media um, appearance. And so um, so that's what he does. He, he has an office down there. He does all the graphic and the audio, um, all the ads. He manages a website. He does a book cover all of that kind of stuff, formatting, he deals with the publisher. And so I have my office upstairs here, as you can see, as part of our house, um, where the dining room usually is in the house is my office, all my equipment is all around me here. And um, so it never really goes away. Uh, but I what I do is I run the office part of things the behind the scenes things, activities and running the business. And um, I do a majority of the gathering of information, the manuscript development. I manage the blogs. I do most of the media appearances online. Um, he does most of the face-to-face -face stuff. So Dave will do like the drum workshops and the drum lessons, and he'll do the, the traveling around to schools and um, he'll do the face-to-face -face with like, he's, um, he's dealing with a bookstore locally and making sure they have enough of our books in stock and that's kind of his forte he's very charming in person and um, I'm just more comfortable in the office scenario <laughs> I'm great with doing this um, and whereas he finds this um, he finds that this is not his comfort zone so we sort of split off and we take on certain activities of our of our business we have six books currently available on Amazon and we have a trilogy coming out this summer, as we're talking about, and another one coming out in 23, 24. So that's kind of an overview of what we do. There's a lot that we do. <laughs> no, I can see that from the different books on your, I'm just on your website now, um, you know, with the, the season, seasonal menu planning. And, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like it's, it's a variety of different topics. Obviously, you write what you know, which is... Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, discussing, you know, your involvement in gardening and the seed savers and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's normally we, we speak to a lot of different authors and, you know, they're kind of set in the one genre, you know what I mean? But you guys seem like you're, you've got something for everyone, really. Oh gosh, we're all over the place. Yeah, we have we are we've done short stories and some fiction as well, but oh, it hasn't been published in book format yet. So um, we've we've had a few pieces published in magazines here and there, but we haven't explored that um, a lot yet because our our schedule has just been so full. Um, as you, you mentioned, you know, the there's the Trash Talk series, which is about green living. Yep. Um, that's nonfiction. Um, and then there's the Purple Snowflake marketing book, which is a guide for a guidebook for writers, sort of walks them through the per process of being a writer, the business aspect, how to organize their office and do their taxes and all of that kind of stuff. But it also shows them how to develop a marketing plan for every book that they're releasing, one that's going to last for the life of that book not for the contract that they're certainly currently working with, but for the life of that book and also uh, working with a budget within their budget. So <clears throat> teaching them how to pace things out, what comes first, all of that. So it's a guide book in that regard. Um, it just had a revision 
just last year in May, I believe, the cookbook that you're talking about was released in January of last year. And that was like about a 20 year project. It includes recipes from people who have passed on, like, you know, aunts and uncles, parents and things like that. Some of our, our versions of our favorites from their recipes. Does that make sense? Like it's their recipe, but you know, we've made our version of it, a healthier Mm -hmm. sort of version of it and that. Um, And of course it has like 300 recipes in this book. It also uh, shows people how to make like their homemade hairspray and uh, homemade um, air fresheners and uh, cleaners based on ingredients that you already have in your well-stocked kitchen. You can make your own taco seasoning. You can make your own chicken coating. You don't have to buy all these envelopes and containers and spend all this extra money. You can make it for like pennies um, for a great big jar of the stuff. So it's really easy to do. And we show them how to do it, um, how to use their garden produce. But also uh, we're encouraging people in that book to go and shop from their local market. Your menu has a huge impact on the environment, what you choose to eat, what you put on your plate, where it comes from, how far it has traveled. Think about the fossil fuels, all the warehousing, all the packaging, repackaging, reshipping Mm -hmm. before it gets to your plate, you know? So, and then the packaging that item comes in and, you know, that you're dealing with. So, you know, there's a lot of, that comes with your menu. And so we really encourage people to shop from their local suppliers, their local food producers, and reduce that impact on the environment. And it's so easy to be green. And so um, doing that also saves them a huge amount of money. They're buying things in peak harvest season, so it's cheaper, but when you buy things in peak harvest season, it's also at its highest nutrient content. As soon as something is harvested off the vine, it starts losing nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. And some of these things that are on our grocery shelves are bred to have more storage ability. So we might have the illusion that this item is a fresh thing on the shelf, but is it really, how long has it been since it was picked off that vine? So these are some of the things we talk about in the book and encourage people to really support that. So let's say you've gone to the farmer's market and you've spent maybe a little more than you thought. You filled up your car with all the stuff because you got a little excited like I do. When I go there, I just want everything, right? And then I come home with that. I'm, gosh, what am I going to do with that? Well, you just open up the book and you start making these big batches of stews or, you know, uh, you make a series of enchilada roja or what have you. And then you freeze them in certain packages and you've got them good to go for all those times when you don't feel like cooking. Then you're not ordering out and you're saving all that money in the end. So there's a lot of reasons to, to do that. Yeah. So I'm really proud of that book. Like I say, it was about 20 years in the making and um, a lot of testing, a lot of beta testing. It was, it was really interesting process for me to write because um, I felt like I had to really slow down when I'm like for cooking for me, you know, I, I know what I'm doing, you know? And so I, I might skip over some steps or something. And so we'd have a beta tester reader who says, what am I supposed, what did you mean by that? And so I had to like slow down and make sure 
you know, every single step was in there. But at the same time, we're not like cooking how we're not teaching how to cook. So like we're expecting the reader knows how to saute an onion, you know, right. So we're not like teaching how to cook, but, you know, we had to simplify it, but not simplify it too much and find that balance. And oh, my goodness, that was that was an interesting um, challenge. But um, thanks to all the beta readers who helped me um, catch anything like that. That was great. I really appreciated them. Excellent. Yeah, because you've got to assume, you you want to assume it's really it must be hard to do because you've got to assume that people understand the basics of cooking. Right. You know, or do you take it back and you go, okay, this is you got to do it step by step. Whereas, I mean, that would be a much bigger project. Whereas, it's I think it's safe to you've got to sort of assume that people know the basics of cooking before they buy the book. Yes. Yes. But then you have <laughs> to like. For certain things, like I had a couple of people say to me, oh, well, can you explain about roasting peppers? So, you know, okay, well, now I got to slow down and go back and find the recipes that talk about, you know, roasted peppers and then make some alternate, right? Those kinds of things. So it was an interesting process for me. Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah. And then I suppose, you know, when you, if you decide to do another cooking or another recipe book, you can take on what you've learned in terms of bringing that out. So. Yes. Now, I'm what one of the books that I'm interested in is the Towards Understanding the yep. poem the collection. I think it says 125. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so how did you guys come across that? Is that just another one where it's just been collections over the years, or? Okay, actually, that one is um a that one is poetry that's written in nonfiction and it's telling my story it's my poetry in that book and Mm -hmm. it's telling my story of about um I think I shared the age of maybe like 16 17 all the way about maybe 22 Mm -hmm. so dealing with the angst of of being from the past so my mom um my mom married five times and um she the two of those were, were really abusive and um, one was kind of dangerous. So um, during that time, my mom um, would often like leave us places or send us places, or we'd be like running in the middle of the night or leaving everything we had behind and going someplace or, you know, it was uh, a weird sort of upbringing. <laughs> and, um, you know, like we, we moved 13 times before I was eight years old between California and Nevada and the States. And then when I was eight, we moved up here. She answered a newspaper ad and uh, met her next husband and we moved to Canada. So that was a good choice. So that marriage lasted for a little while. Um, yeah, so anyway, there was a lot of turmoil in my youth, and uh, that poem, that poetry book uh, shares that. It shares not the abuse. It doesn't talk about that. It shares my uh, silent screaming emotions inside and my uh, raw desire to like fit into what I saw as normal as society. You know, I would look at Uh, all these houses on the street and kids at school, you know, dad would come and pick him up and, you know, hugs and all of that, which was like weird, you know, people sitting around a kitchen table and actually eating together, you know, it was weird, you know, that kind of stuff, but watching it and seeing it as like a witness. Right. And I always thought like, 
as an outsider from that. I never felt like I could ever be one of them or good enough or measure up to one of them. And so like when I was on my, I was on my own at 13 and a half. And so um, when I was on my own, I really struggled with that. I felt like, okay, now I'm this, this kid with no family, you know, how could I possibly measure up in society and be one of them, you know, be normal, be accepted, be lovable. And so all of those emotions and the trauma that I was going through during that struggle of uh, recovery and understanding um, that my life had value and that I could have purpose, that my voice did have value, um, that that journey, I guess, <laughs> is what all that poetry tells. Okay, so that's obviously a very personal book to you. Yeah, that uh, was very. It must have been very hard to put all that together. You know, I had about um, 350 poems that I had saved. When I started writing poetry, I actually was burning it, and I didn't realize that that is a, a native tool, uh, native Indians here in Canada and uh, North America. They would, uh, their thing was to burn things so that you would uh you're purging you're purging it you're letting it go I didn't realize that that was a thing um and then eventually little bits and pieces would get like saved or forgotten and you know that kind of thing and uh, I started collecting them and saving them I had shoe boxes and binders of them and things like that and uh eventually when um I had won some poetry contests and um had the opportunity to work with my publisher on this on another book I presented the idea of that book to them and they said that would be great so here I was like oh goodness now I have to go through all these poems and decide what I'm willing for the public to see right because I was like ripping myself open and raw like raw you know here I am you know just go ahead and judge and so I had to like choose which ones I was willing to let out there and um and I think I did a pretty good job uh narrowing that down it was it was a it was quite the process to do that um and then when I presented it to the publisher and they were really excited about it and then the pre-review stuff was happening and we were getting like um Uh, social workers and psychologists and things like that involved and they were really excited about the book too about it coming up so I was building up and I was like okay this is cool my mom was still alive at the time and I was like okay we're doing this this is cool told her a little bit about it and then just before it published uh was coming out and I had a date I I sat down with her I said look mom you know I want you to know that this isn't an attack against you or anyone else, because we were at that point, you know, becoming friends, sort of, Um, we were developing a relationship based on gardening, mainly. Um, And so we were bonding on that sort of tentatively building this relationship. And I was really worried that this was going to destroy that, or uh, bring up things that we could never talk about, because there were certain things we could never talk about. And, um, and so uh, anyway, so I prepared her for that and then it got released. And as soon as I had it in my hands, I went into this huge panic mode, <laughs> mm. absolutely panicked. I thought, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? Why did I do this? You know, like now everybody's going to know, you know, <laughs> but afterwards um, I realized once I went, 
you know, lived through that fear and um, started really listening to the feedback that I was getting from people. I would get used to reading it, which it was hard for me. I would get emotional, you know, and I had a hard time with that at first, but I would get used to that. Um, and as I was getting the feedback from these various sources who were saying, you know, I was, it, uh, it, it's like a song that, uh, really connects with you and makes you feel like they're singing your story. And because of that, it's healing for you. Um, that's how they were responding to the poetry. And there was this one lady who said like her 42 year old son who had never talked about what happened, read my poetry in the book, which she had bought for him. And they sat down and they had a conversation. <laughs> I was blown away by that, you know, and so to, to know that that can have that kind of effect on other people, it was worth being raw and ripping it open and saying, go ahead, you know, judge away. So um, it, it was pretty, it was raw, but it was, um, I'm glad it's out there. And um, I'm really actually quite proud of, proud of it. I've, I played a lot with poetry, um, different styles and different rhythms and different shapes and I was just really playing with words and getting really creative with that and then in our in our next book of poetry the rhythm and rhyme I I really I think my maturity and as a poet really started to show and um yeah I just I love playing with words I love the the pictures that you can create the feelings that you can create like say you say someone has tragic hands I mean, just those two words, right? It just brings up all these things in your head, right? It just, I love playing with words. Yeah. I'm looking forward to checking that one out. So I think if you can get the conversation started, even just with a couple of people, you know, right. you've made a, a difference in those people's lives. So that's right. definitely something to be very proud about. Thank you. 100%. Thank you. Um, well, me and Ryan are both musicians or we were at one cool. point so now, now now we're a little bit interested about your husband and what, what he does with his um drum stuff oh, yeah do you see one of his drums here let me you see oh, it there that's yep. one of the djembes wow. that he builds that's that's a that's hemp amazing. djembe yeah that's do hemp the dogs, and do the dogs play um, eco that resin yeah that's that's a hemp and eco um eco resin drum that's a djembe um there's a little one over there but most of them are downstairs. Every once in a while, they bleed up here. Yeah. Is, is that something he's just like, like, when, when did he start doing it? Like, how did he get into it? Um, let's see. I think he was about, geez, 17, 18, when he started picking up drums, drumming. Yep. And it was because his friend, I think, had a beat up pair in the garage and his friend was a, a guitar player. And so he started there with that. He was heavily influenced by like Boston and Rush and, you know, Queen and so many great bands and um, Toto and all these wow. great bands from the time. And, um, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember them all. I'm trying to think of them all, but there's so many that he was influenced by. And it, it evolved when I met him, he was working as a touring band and also he had a house band gig and he was working a job as well. So this man had hardly any time and yet he found the time to chase me down and convince me that 
he was a great guy, which of course he is, I always say, but it's true. Um, he had to like, he would go to places where he knew I was going to be and he would wait and, oh, you know, no. to try to find a reason to talk to me and chat me up and stuff. And I didn't realize at the time, but of course, you know, later he told me that's what he was doing. Well, today we <laughs> but, call it stalking. Yeah, well, no, it was a good thing. It was, it was a flirty, you know, get to know you type thing. And he was really gentle with me and, and um, yeah, started really slowly with me. We've been together 30 years. When I met him, though, he was working at a, a house band where they played, I think, like three or four nights a week. I think it was at a place called Jonathan Seagulls in Kelowna. And this was a uh, like a medium-sized re- restaurant, not terribly large, um, maybe 30, 40 tables, I'm going to say, and a nice big stage. And it, it was down by the lake in Kelowna, Okanagan Lake. Um, and it, so it was near the lake. And so, and there's this big uh, park there as well, the city park that goes along the lake. And um, we used to go there on a regular basis. And of course, him being, you know, the drummer of the house band, right? And so that's where we first met. Um, he toured, he went around BC and upper upper states, and he's played with some, you know, bigger names on the stage and, and that. Um, and then uh, we moved from Kelowna to a smaller community, and then from there to where we are now. And during that time, he evolved from being like the touring uh, house band sort of musician to being like more bigger gigs, like, you know, uh, festivals and, you know, private parties and um, one night gigs and and as holidays, things like that. So it was a different sort of playing for him, different um, amount of playing for him. And he started teaching at that point. Um, he began teaching, oh gosh, a good 20 years ago at least. And it's been just growing ever since. Um, and of course, he's always inventing things and, you know, all kinds of noisemakers down there. And yeah, he just has a great time with it. Uh, he He's actually in a couple bands. And one of the... Um, there's a couple of uh, young men that come for regular lessons and they play hang drums. I think they're called hang drums. They're metal drums. They have all these things that they tap on the top. And so um, they jam afterwards, after the lesson. So they bring out their hang drums and their guitar and whatever. And Dave's got, you know, his room full of everything. And so, you know, they're out down there making this beautiful music all night. You know, it's great. You know, I love the jam nights and, yeah. Well, there you go. That's so. I mean, we're we're not good enough to be drummers ourselves. So, me you either. Know, <laughs> it takes it takes a certain amount of talent to be able to um, you know, to be a drummer. That's why you can yeah. always find guitarists and singers and stuff like that. But drummers, you can barely find when you need one. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than it looks. You think it's just thump, thump, but it's not. You know, there's a lot of dynamics and, you know, the timing and you got to really listen to everyone. That's something I really noticed. And I'm sure you guys have too, being musicians, is when you're in the group, your brain is working in so many different directions. Like whenever I've attended a workshop, a drum workshop with Dave's, you're always listening to what other people are playing and when there's a space and when there's not a space to come in and it's like this unspoken communication and everyone's heightened it's like 
it's like your ear hairs and your brain hairs are like standing out. You know how you, your hairs on your, your arms sometimes stand. It's like your brain hairs are standing out and it's catching all of this stuff that's going on in the room that you wouldn't be aware of normally that we don't speak or communicate in that way in any other, you know, aspect of life. No, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell us about, about some of the blogs you do? Like you've got so many different ones and um, just pick one. Okay. <laughs> one that you want us to know about. Okay. Well, there's two. Um, there is the one that we started just uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, and that's called Drum It with Brummit. You can find that at drumitwithbrummit.blogspot.com. And um, that's where we share information for musicians uh, every musician can find information there, um, but it's got a heavy slant towards drummers and percussionists. So, you know, we might have someone in who's, you know, giving a, an expert article advice about, you know, getting cruise jobs or someone else telling you about insiders information about uh, going to a studio, or we might uh, define certain types of music. We do interviews, we share resources, um, nonprofit music organizations we highlight those a variety of different things goes on there Dave's got lots of plans for doing more with it um, in the future of course his plate is just overloaded right now with um, honeydews for around the house but also a big stack in the office too so the poor guy but uh, it's true so when he gets some room in his schedule he's going to do more with that blog and we have a new post going up on that one um, every four days or so the other one is um, Brummett's Conscious Blog, and that one gets quite a big audience in our largest ye month yet. Our very largest month was just this last February, I think, and it was uh, 4,558,000, oh, wow. if I can say oh, it right, oh. 458,000 uh, visits that month, so in February, oh, wow. which was huge. Uh, we hadn't had that, seen that before. Uh, we had like um, 100,000, 150,000 before. We were really surprised when we were getting like 200 and 300, but when it went up to 450 that month, that blew us away. It's, it's slid down a little bit since then, but you never know when the numbers are going to go back up again. Um, so, you know, it was an exciting ride and hopefully it goes back up there again. Uh, but usually we're anywhere around like 35 to 120,000 visits a month on that blog. So it's pretty popular. We have uh, posts going up every day and it's got a huge array of topics. But the main focus there is in, like to inspire and motivate people, give them the tools and resources to help them continue the journey of making a difference, but empowering them with, with like the incentive and the motivation um, and the inspiration to do more, to become more of the hero that we we know they are each and every one of us is the hero that we're seeking out there we want to look for the superman and the spider-man but uh, uh quite honestly you know where the, the man in the mirror is the hero we you know roll up the sleeves and see where we can get involved and start doing some good in the world and um so we try to inspire people that way on that blog and, and that's from it sorry that's consciousdiscussions.blogspot.com yeah, there's there's not enough of that in the world. I was just on the on the blog now, and okay. um, you know, I just definitely, you know, I love how you have the quotes of the day, and and then you know you can go into all the different 
you, and it's good, good. You're promoting your books there as well, which is the important thing as well. Of course. But, yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's got everything you need there, volunteering, everything. So yeah. um, we need more of that, you know. There's too much negative negativity out there. You know, you turn on the TV, you put on the news, it's all doom and gloom and, you know, never, never. That's why I, I honestly don't watch the news anymore. I haven't for about <laughs> 10 years because I'm just, you know, the I, I just need more positivity in my life and I try and go about and I'd much rather go outside and sit down and read a book than watch the news for half an hour, you know what I mean? Like Good. it's just you need more, we need more positivity in this world. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And when we feed ourselves that positivity, then we feel like um, we feel more motivated, inspired, and empowered to go out there in the world and face the day. And whether it's in our next conversation that we're having with someone, you know, instead of being all dim and gloom and all oh, the world's so awful and my life is terrible and everything sucks, you know, <laughs> or you can be more uplifted and spread that light in the dark in the world, you know, by being a positive person. And you can only do that by feeding the positivity in your mind. Absolutely. I personally have to protect myself because I'm I'm like prone to going into depression so I have to like protect myself I learned a long time ago to do that just like yourself I stopped I don't I don't subscribe to newspapers I don't read you know I don't watch the news I don't get involved with everybody's upset about the latest politician or whatever I don't get involved in all of that I I try to pay attention to like my own backyard and then work a circle out from there you know if I can make my yard greener my house greener if I can do something nice for my neighborhood if I can you know just little things start where I am you know work out from there and do positive and as you say just feed yourself with positive information there's so much wonderful stuff out there you know when I was doing a radio show I ran a radio show for about 10 years um, from 2005 to 2015 mm-hmm. and the archives are actually just got took off uh, line just this year so I was actually quite honored that they kept them up so long the archives but um, point being um, I what I did was I interviewed people around the world who were making a difference so I would have people on from like France or Germany or Switzerland or US it was amazing and a lot of nonprofit organizations or people that work with nonprofit organizations you know planting millions of trees or going out and you know helping a wildlife rescue project that was going on or you know all of these amazing individuals out there doing incredible stuff all the time and it it just really excited me and really helped me change because at the time during that same time frame I was dealing with my parents passing and you know we were moving from one community to another and there was all this stress going on in our lives and um, so it was difficult and I found that a really uplifting time and really exciting for me and I guess I haven't gotten off that 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 ride I haven't stepped off that that ride because it's such a it's such a joy you know um celebrating all the stuff that people are doing out there and you know I write like you say on the blog you know it's full of stuff there's pages of information links on the side bars um there's years of content that are going pretty much every day there's new content and I'm still not able to keep up to all the amazing stuff that's going on out there it's it's incredible it really is we just got to sort of open our eyes to see 
the incredible work. And uh, there's a lot of unsung stuff going on too. Your neighbor, you know, might be going for a walk with their friend, with their dog and they're picking up litter and nobody notices, nobody sees, nobody gets some accolades, no one's singing their praises, but there's, they're a silent hero walking around, you know, unsung hero out there doing their bit to make the world a better place, you know? So I think just opening your eyes, watching, witnessing, and, you know, get involved, say something, hey, that's those things. 100%. Yep. No, that's the message you want to get out there because, you know, I even, even much rather sit down and have a conversation with an author and, and, and person like yourself uh, and find out what's going on in your world than sit down and watch the news for, you know, an hour. Because at the end of the day, to me, this is a more positive experience. Right. right. Know? And I totally agree with what you're saying there. Right. And here you're making a difference. You're both making a difference. You're getting this message out to a wider audience, right? And who knows who you can influence. You know, every one of those people that are listening to our conversation right now are going to be taking this thought or a thought. They're going to take something out of this conversation and it's going to affect them in some way. And maybe there's going to be a residual effect from that. For instance, there was a time and I tell the story a lot because it meant so much to me. But there was a time when I had an interview just like this. We just casually brought up the concept of volunteering was one of the questions they were talking about. And the person, well, there was a person listening. They contacted me about two hours after it went live. And they said to me, on the way home from work today or from their shopping or whatever it was on their way home that day, they stopped. They pulled over, they saw the volunteer sign up place, a volunteer organization um, that happened to be there where they were driving by. They stopped, they signed up, and now they're gonna be doing some volunteer work at, I can't remember where it was now. <laughs> it's slipping my mind a lot of it. It was a long time ago. But I remember the feeling that that gave me, that that one listener heard one, took one thing out of that conversation and they became proactive out of that. So you never know where these conversations are gonna start these ripples of positive um, actions just because of this conversation. And then, yeah. you know, their action, you know, their friends, their neighbors, their children are now being exposed to them experiencing this new activity. You never know where it's going to go from there. Exactly. There's no better feeling. Yeah. Well, I think that's, we should end on a positive, positive note. <laughs> but, okay. Um, Thank, thank you so much for coming on. And um, do you just want to tell us, our listeners and our viewers, uh, where they can find more about you, your websites, your socials, anything you want to plug? Oh, absolutely. Actually, you know, the easiest thing to do is to go on to any one of your favorite search engines and just type in Lillian and Dave Brummett, B-R-U-M-M. ET, and you're going to find pages of information about us. The very first one there should be our website, which is brummetmedia.ca. That's our main website. And of course, we already gave you the blog information. But if you just go into the search engine there, type that name in there, you'll find pages and pages of information. Um, of course, I would urge everyone to check out our books on Amazon. Just go on your local region. Amazon serves many, many countries. So just go to your local region's Amazon page. And type in Lillian and Dave Brummett, and you'll find our books there. Excellent. We'll link everything in the show notes of the episode as well. And, right. and we'll, on the video version, we, you know, we will always pop up those web addresses so people can click on it and go straight there. Thank you. You're very Thank welcome. You so much Thank for coming you. on.
it's been great. I love the conversation. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Thank you. You're not the first person to say that, just saying. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you. And and, then just say hi to your husband for us. Tell him to keep drumming. Yeah, I'll pound on the floor for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us and sharing your 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 story with us we really appreciate it okay thank you for having me this has been a lot of fun 